This afternoon I preach you the gospel as we confess it in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Days 9 and 10. God the Father and our creation, page 525 in the Book of Praise, you can find Lord's Day 9, looking at what we confess, our confession as believers. What do, you, what do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who still upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence, is, for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father. In him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul and will also turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this life of sorrow. He is able to do so as Almighty God and willing also as a faithful father. What do you understand by the providence of God? God's providence is his almighty and ever-present power, whereby as with his hand he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures and so governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed all things come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. What does it benefit us to know that God has created all things and still upholds them by his providence? We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and with a view to the future, we can have a firm confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature shall separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will, they cannot so much as move. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, life is referred to in our confession as a life of sorrow. And as Think about our situation, what we know. I know as a pastor, also looking around and seeing brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ and knowing the hardships of this life, it is clear, it's evident, as we know, life can be hard. Psalm 18, we looked at this morning. Many other psalms compare that sorrow, the hardships to waters that feel like they're overwhelming us. Feels like enemies are all around us who are attacking us. Psalm 55 even says that our own sweet companions and friends can betray us. Our Lord Jesus knows what this is like. Psalm 73 highlights that being righteous does not mean that our life will be easier than the life of unbelievers. And Job also experienced the misery, the for, forsakenness in life. He was under the attack of the devil and how that 
made his life, even as a child of God, a righteous child of God, so difficult. Job lost everything except for his life, his possessions, his children, and even his own wife urged him to curse God and die. And Job was depressed, despised the day of his birth. And then we see, as we're reading through, he, he turns his anger on God for allowing this to happen to a righteous man. How, can, how could God do that to him? He had some questions for the Lord. It doesn't, didn't make sense to him in light of the covenant promises of God. And he lost sight of who God was so that he became, and this is how Psalm 55 words it in verse 2, he became restless in his complaint and moaning. Well, the suffering and these questions, they're not far from any one of us. And so it's important to pay close attention to the Lord's answer. He answers actually all the way from Job 38 to the end of, of 42. But when Job cried out for answers, thinking he had a case against the Lord, he, he found some faults with, with what he was seeing. Well, God spoke to him from the storm. God showed him. Job even said, no, I've seen it with my, with my eyes. God showed him. What did he show him? He showed him that he is God, the Father, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. The Lord comforts his children with the revelation of his sovereign, eternal, glorious majesty. It was enough to make Job lay his hand on his mouth. And that's what the first statement of the Apostles' Creed, the confession of the church. That's what it, it continues to do in our lives today. All our unanswered questions, all our anger, all our indignation, and our suffering, it's met with a quieting hush of the first statement of the creed. Shh. I believe in God the Father, almighty creator of heaven and earth. The first words of the Apostles' Creed, they come out of the reality of the hardships of life. It follows the line of Psalm 55. Psalm 55 says, life is hard, so I will, we will trust in our almighty Father and sovereign creator because he sustains us and he never will permit the righteous to be moved. That's Psalm 55, verse 22, 23. And so we look around, we ask, why is this happening to me? Shh. What will my children have to face? How can we survive in this crumbling economy? How is it going to work out? Shh. Our Heavenly Father created the heavens and the earth, and He knows what He is doing. God is God. 
He is a good father. And even in hardships, we can find rest and silence when we first place our trust in him. That's the gospel. That's the gospel that we love, that I preach to you again this afternoon. Under the theme, shh, our father created the heavens and the earth. We see first that Psalm 55, 22, it says he will sustain the children he created. He will sustain us. And when we say that we believe that God spoke and he created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1, verse 1, we believe that's true. We are confessing that it is not pre-existing matter or material, but it is the word of God that is the origin and the source of everything that is seen, everything that happens. Hebrews 11, verse 3. No man can create something out of nothing. No man can do the things that God describes in Job 38 to 42. We believe in a sovereign God who is outside of all creation with respect to time. He's eternal. And with respect to space, he's not a part of creation. He's not, a, a lim he's not limited. He knows the end from the beginning. He has this eternal counsel that we confess. And we cry out. We start our creed. We cry out with the words of Romans 11. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. And how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The sovereign power of our creator is a comfort for us because he knows us. The same God who created all things, he knows about us. He cares about our lives. He speaks to us. It's a great joy to know and confess that the almighty God has become our father in Jesus Christ. It's, it's something he, he wanted to do. We, we read about it also in the form for baptism that we are adopted as his children. It's a decision that we might be a part of his family. And so he knows your name. He calls you my child. He made us in his image. He made the world for us to live in as our home, we can expect his loving attention. When we are finding that times are difficult, we can quiet our souls with the knowledge that our God, who knows all things, he also knows what we are experiencing. He is able to help us in our difficult times, we can ask, isn't this hardship also part of his great plan? Shh. 
the Almighty Father, we confess, will turn to my good. Whatever adversity he sends me in this life of sorrow. He has told us this in his word. As you look at all the references at the bottom of the catechism, you can see in how many ways and how many places he has told us this. And so when the church sings Psalm 55, Psalm 56, so many psalms, but when we sing the, the words of Psalm 55, we comfort ourselves in the midst of our sorrows and our moaning under the agony of real hardships with the conclusion, yes, our God will sustain us. Psalm 55, verse 22. That's like saying, shh, God still upholds and governs all things by his counsel and his providence. Shh, his almighty and ever-present power uphold heaven and earth and all creatures. And he governs them. I'm just saying what we confess in the catechism. And he governs them so that nothing, and then there's that list that follows in the catechism of ordinary, easy to explain things by science. He says, none of those things come to us by chance, but by his fatherly hand. He will sustain us. And so we start our confession saying, shh, there are many things we cannot understand, but one thing we can be certain of, and that is that God will sustain all those who cast their burdens on him. That's a pretty famous saying, isn't it? Cast your burdens on the Lord. What, is that? what does that mean? What does it mean to cast your burdens on the Lord? We can't physically take hold of our illness. Wouldn't that be nice? You could just take it and, and throw it on the Lord and it's gone. We can't physically take hold of our illness. We can't physically take hold of our broken relationships or our depression or our anxiety or the stress of this life and, and, and cast it anywhere. So what does this mean? It, it has to be a mental activity, a decision of the mind that's initiated by the words of our mouth. The Psalms give examples of, of crying out to the Lord. The, the casting of our burdens is, is knowing who we're talking to, Father Almighty, and, and, and entrusting it with our words into his hands. Casting our burdens on the Lord is telling him what is bothering us, unburdening ourselves through our words, and then reminding ourselves of the promise God sustains us, and he wants to sustain us. And this is where our confession in the Apostles' Creed comes in. It says it in such a beautiful way, very similar to the very end of Psalm 62. He is able to do so as Almighty God and willing also as a faithful father. Psalm 55 ends by saying, I will trust in the Lord. Psalm 56 that we sang before the worship service this afternoon, it says it very similar. 
When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Some beautiful children's songs with that, that wording as well. The Lord Jesus committed his spirit to the hands of his Father. Paul affirmed that whether he lives or he dies, he knew that God would hold him, would be at his side. He would, he would be able to be in the presence of God. The Lord will never permit the righteous to be moved. You see, the second part of Psalm 52, or Psalm 55, I should say, verse 22. If you look in the footnotes, you see it's referred to both in Lord's Day 9 and Lord's Day 10. The second part of this verse is that the Lord will never permit the righteous to be moved. So what does it mean, that promise? When we think about the meaning of this promise, we realize that being moved, some translations have falling. It cannot refer to being uncomfortable. Doesn't, God isn't saying you will never be shaken by events. He isn't saying you will never feel sad. You will never be attacked. You will never be sick or you will never die. If you look at Psalm 55, where this verse is found, it's found in a prayer that recounts experiences of oppression, terror of death, fear, trembling, horror, taunts, betrayal, battle, treachery. That's the experience of the psalm. And then he says, the Lord will never permit the righteous to be moved. Although he is creator of heaven and earth, he is capable of doing all things. He wants to, to be there with you. The Lord does not promise to remove all the hardships from our lives. And in fact, it would be more accurate to say that he tells us that we should expect hardships. Well, what do you think of that? What kind of God allows us to face hardships? We believe that the Lord is creator of heaven and earth, the almighty Father who knows the big picture. Shh, those hardships are not out of his control. So what is God promising when he says the righteous will never be moved? The church confesses that it means that God will always Provide us with all things necessary for body and soul. You see that in Lord's Day 9. He will never leave us in a place where we lack what we need to glorify Him, to see Him, to, to praise Him. He will never leave the grieving or the dying uncomforted. He will never leave the seeking without the gospel. Or the hungry without food. The Psalms make that very clear. Psalm 34, Psalm 37. The creator of heaven and earth shows his special favor to those who walk with him. And he ensures that they will be supplied. Sometimes that's through the international communion of saints. Think of the ability we have as a congregation to support churches in other countries where there's much poverty. You hear about that in the congregational meeting tomorrow evening with 
churches in Brazil and the work being done in Cuba, that, that idea of, of supplying the needy, sometimes using ourselves to do that. He gives us enough to worship him. We can trust him for this. So what does God promise for us to help us in our hardships? He promises himself. The same Lord who gave his only begotten son to die on a cross so that we can baptize our children with water. Same God who fills us with his Holy Spirit, who pours out his heavenly gifts upon us so that we can, we can see the changes in our lives. He's with us. And so we confess, shh, with a view to the future, we can have a firm confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature shall separate us from his love. It's a direct quotation of Romans 8. This is what Psalm 55 is talking about. The Lord will not permit the righteous to be moved from the path of salvation in Jesus Christ. They will not be removed from their place in the body of our Savior, Jesus Christ. No one can snatch them from God's hands. Even though we may suffer, God will never leave us or forsake us. Hebrews 13, verse 5. The Holy Spirit in our hearts is a seal that guarantees the promise. We looked at that with talking about our citizenship in heaven and Philippians and how the Lord is, is pulling us to that. It's a, it's a rope. We might be swinging around in the hardships of life through the waves, the waters that overwhelm us, but the Lord has us firmly in his grip. And the Lord can promise something that no person can promise. No man, no woman, no child can promise what he does. He could say, I will never permit the righteous to be moved because he is sovereign, because he is Father, Almighty Father. And so we confess, shh, all creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will, they cannot so much as move. Nothing in your life is left to chance. There's never a time when the Lord is looking to see, well, I wonder how this will turn out for him. Chance is not a power against which God has to contend. And no one can conclude that they are lucky or unlucky, but everyone must recognize the hand of the Almighty God who has become their Father in Jesus Christ, caring. And as Christians, we can carry out our task in the certain knowledge that Jesus Christ is victorious over all enemies, including death. He has secured us a place in our Father's eternal dwelling. 
the same God who created the heavens and the earth. He prepared that place for us. And so when we look at Psalm 55, we see what we confess about this life of sorrow. We are reminded the Lord doesn't promise that we will never be uncomfortable. But he promises that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, who's hidden in Christ, will be preserved in the faith until our Lord Jesus returns again. We can agree with one another on this. The gospel promise is real. And as we share in Christ's suffering, we will also share in the power of his resurrection. Life is hard. There is a lot of suffering. There are many things that, that we see happening, and we know it's not chance, we know it's God doing it, but, but we don't understand. We sometimes can't even justify it in our own minds. We can't explain it away very simply to our children. We're seeing these things and then we say, shh, our Father is almighty and he created the heavens and the earth. Shh, our covenant Father will sustain the children that he made. Shh, the Lord will never allow the righteous to be moved from the path of salvation. Amen.